So they were teasing this match for weeks and weeks and weeks, mostly by the black heart of NXT, the psychopath, uh, Tomasa Ciampa, after his victory following the defeat of Johnny Gargano at, um, well, NXT TakeOver, and we all know how great that ma- event went. <laughs> okay, so... He has been wanting to go after the NXT title. There were reports coming around that they were going to do Tomasa Ciampa versus uh, Aleister Black at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. I was really against that idea, not because it wouldn't be a bad match, that's impossible, since this is NXT, but um, I always thought it should have been Velveteen Dream versus versus Aleister Black. It would have been a nice coming of circle thing, like... Velveteen Dream getting a huge victory with the guy who basically made him a star in NXT and made everyone lose their doubts on whether or not he could hang with the guys. And I always felt like that should have been the match that happened. And then it got reported that Aleister Black and Tommaso Ciampa was going to fight in an NXT show. And I was like, okay, it's going to be for the NXT title. That's going to be awesome. And then... (laughs) Then reports came out because the internet likes to ruin all the fun. And because Vince still doesn't want to make NXT live to a major extent, probably. Because they know NXT would destroy them in all ways possible. Um, Tomasa Ciampa defeated Aleister Black for the NXT Championship. And I was like, they did that. Like, I always, I thought I had figured out the formula of NXT, and then they changed it up now. Like, so I wanted to watch this match. Either way, I was going to see this match, see how it all went, because I didn't read all the details. But, um, yeah, this match was, like, took over half the show. That, that was how important this match was. It was built up as a pay-per-view main event match. Well, really, NXT system is more like, let's make the TV shows, um... Pay-per-view quality performances, and let's make the takeovers look like our WrestleManias. And once again, Tommaso Ciampa is exceptionally great as a heel. In fact, he's possibly one of the best heels in the wrestling business right now. I mean, like, really, with Cody now having reformed after uh, um, Kenny Omega's, if you can change, everybody can change, Rocky IV speech. Um... And Tomatonga getting a lot of popularity now since his feud with Roman Reigns via Twitter, which makes me want to see that match now to an extent. Um, really, Tomasa Chump is the only good, legitimately great heel left that's vilified, which makes me all the more sadder when he goes to the main roster eventually and everyone looks at him and says, Who is this guy? Sigh. Uh, but um, this match was insane. Everything about it was insane. Like, you have all these layers coming out regarding Tomasa Ciampa and his vilification status, Aleister Black has his brooding anti-hero mentality, you had, also, you had Johnny Gargano lurking in the shadows because over time, because as the weeks went by leading up to this match, Johnny Gargano was expressing that how he's kind of fallen to this dark side of him and how he's become the very thing he hates. And I was like, so you admit you're turning evil. 
And, and I've been advocating for this match. I want Tomasa Chop and Johnny Gargano to end their fight inside Hell in a Cell. Like, Triple H reportedly does see a trilogy of matches between them. They did two of them. They need to do Hell in a Cell. They, that's the only way to end this. It'd be a, kind of also poetic to an extent, because if you think about it... Um, Shawn Michaels and Triple H's feud was bloody and intense, and that ended with a Hell in a Cell match. Why not do it with this one? Except they had way more matches, but they were given time to spread out. You know, unlike in Sinisuke Nakamura and AJ Styles to the point that now you want that the match that you want to see happen is now the match you're sick of seeing in the span of a month. But anyways, um, so... There was, and we even got the referee from this unsanctioned match. That that should show, like, you would think, like, there would be some connection with that. But, uh, no, luckily they didn't go that route. Um, and then you would, like, and when Aleister Black finally gets the black mask kick on Tomasa Ciampa, you would, ho- you would think that this is going to be the moment the referee's going to make the count. But, unfortunately, beforehand, the referee crashed onto the exposed floor. When Tomasa Ciampa went outside and exposed the concrete floor. You know, something that's rarely seen on the main roster anymore. Yeah. And, uh... Then, coming in to save the day! After Black, after Aleister Black raked, was raked in the eyes by uh, Ciampa, um, John Gargano ran in and delivered a super kick to Ciampa. I mean, Gargano did. And before you could deliver a belt shot, a tug of war between the two happened, and Gargano accidentally struck Black with the title. And then after that, Ciampa threw Gargano out of the ring, and Ciampa then executed the Devil's Wings to score the pinfall and win the title. And all I'm thinking is, wow, you went there, everybody. They went there. They went there. Like, normally you would expect disqualification and then would lead to a rematch. But no, we're getting this match now. I was... Like, shocked that they did this on NXT television. They haven't done that in a long time. In fact, I don't think they ever did that. They always reserved it for the TakeOver events. Um, after when the TakeOver started happening. So, I was like, wow. In fact, when was the last time this happened? And then, I thought about it more... And, like, this was said to have been leading up to a triple threat match between Aleister Black, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa. I'm glad that match is going to happen, but I still advocated for Aleister Black versus Velveteen Dream for the NXT title because it would have just made more sense to me because it would have been a year, it would have been a coming full circle for Velveteen Dream. The man who made him a star is going to be the man that makes him NXT champion. That that would have been really poetic and really highlighted Velveteen Dream coming a long way to win the NXT World Championship. And next, this episode of NXT got, was the most viewed episode, apparently, according to Tomasa Ciampa rubbing it in and saying that he's now the king of the universe, basically. It's only a matter of time until he says that. And he even calls himself Tommy Entertainment. You know, that term that everyone grows, grows to hate now because Vince tends to think wrestling is the devil. So that makes all the more sense. So, yeah. Uh, we're getting a, a third match between Gargano and Ciampa, but Alistair Black involved. 
But I get the feeling we're going to get one more singles match between them, and then hopefully it would end with either one of them winning. I would actually be alright if Tomasa Ciampa won, because that's what Triple H and Shawn Michaels did. It ended with Triple H getting the victory clean, and he was the villain. So, and, and like I said, I just want this to be a Hell in a Cell match. It just, like, when was the last time we got such an intense blood feud going on that ended inside Hell in a Cell? In fact, I think that might have been before the PG era happened. Like, yeah, we got very personal feuds, but we never got one that's built off of pure emotional hatred. We never got that in a long time because... Like, maybe Lesnar and Undertaker, but that mostly stands for Undertaker low-blowing him constantly and then Lesnar returning the favor. But, um, the fact that this is possibly one of their best storylines yet going on right now with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, and they added in a third wheel to it to an extent. And, like, granted, it's a very talented third wheel. Um... It just makes me so ecstatic to watch this show. Like, I... And it just makes me also despair to an extent because you know what's going to happen. They're not going to be seen as world champion material because they're not big hulking figures like Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar or John Cena and yada yada yada. Like, Johnny Gargano and Tomas Chamber, they're going to go to 205 Live most likely. Alistair Black, I don't even know what's going to happen to him. Like, they're probably going to force him to lose the weight and to lose the weight he needs in order to make 205 Live. And while 205 Live is run by Triple H, these two, these three guys, yeah, they deserve to be in the World Championship contention. And someone who's never, and someone apparently on Twitter said that, who's never watched NXT says that NXT guys should not be be given a a big huge spot to an extent and should work their way up like okay that could work if I don't know they were given compelling storylines to work with but as we all know Vince won't even give them a chance for discriminatory reasons and I'm still on that but this match was awesome um I really love the talent involved in all this it just makes me why I love NXT so much the fact that you expect the unexpected, that you don't see this coming, that they changed the formula up when you thought it finally was no, that you finally could figure it out, and then they say, "Look, let's change it up." And this was like a few weeks, be- and then and then only like a few weeks before Brooklyn, and Alistair Black is pissed off now because he just lost the title, and now he blames Johnny Gargano now. So yeah, Ciampa is kind of leaning into anti-hero mode, and people are kind of rallying against Johnny Gargano for costing. Uh, their hero to an extent, his title, and gave it, basically handed it to the shoe, basically the devil. So, yeah, I bet that's gonna be fun. So, I can't wait for NXT to take over Brooklyn 4. That match is gonna steal the show, most likely, but considering you got King Ricochet versus Adam Cole, EC3 versus Velveteen Dream, the British Strong Style versus um, Mustache Mountain versus the Undisputed Era, yeah. That saying it's gonna steal the show is basically saying all of NXT is just gonna steal the weekend, so basically, that's that's been this given. So those were my thoughts on Tomasa Ciampa versus Alistair Black for the NXT Championship. This was Neo Reality Entertainment. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe, and donate to for more. I hope Vince McMahon loved his Roman Reigns and Lesnar matches because as of this moment, I hereby announce that SummerSlam is canceled.
Because that's basically what happened. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 basically talked to all the NXTs right now. I didn't think that was possible. They did it. They, they actually did it. So we got this whole talk about who attacked, who attacked Aleister Black. That's being a mystery because I'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, I'm loving that they're turning this attack angle into a mystery angle. Trying to figure out who, di who done it. And there's a lot of suspects. In fact, you could go with a dark horse and say, hey, let's go ahead and have Neville because he actually has means and motivation as much as everyone else. Like, he said at the UK tournament once that he was the greatest UK wrestler, wrestler to come out of the UK. Alistair Black, as Tommy Ann came in, disputed that, and that, and despite winning, that eats away at Neville, so he comes back and gets revenge. That would make a lot... That would be an interesting route, but I don't think they're going to do that. In fact, I think I know who they might go with, but this is just a guess on that part. But, yeah, we get to the opening match. Mustache Mountain versus the Undisputed Era. And for the NXT Tag Team titles. And I'm just saying, let's see. I'm 23 years old. Tyler Bate is 21. I feel so old. So, yeah. Um... What is with Tyler Bate? Was he built in a lab and he's been able to do things at such a young age? He was 19 when he won the UK title and now he's 21 and he's doing more crazy moves that I didn't see at such a young age. Like, I was at home, I was at home playing video games and on YouTube and whatnot. He's out there stealing shows and whatnot. If I recently... On NXT tapings, uh, he had a five-star match with the Undisputed Era for the exact same match for the NXT Tag Team Titles, which ended with, t with uh, him throwing in the towel, which has never been done in a long time. So, yeah, that got five stars. Kind of shows where uh, NXT is currently is the beat play brand to be. So... Yeah, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate went to town with the Undisputed Era. It was awesome. Like, he got all these big movements, all these big movesets, and Kyle O'Reilly's just entertaining as this cartoon character now. Uh, and, and once again, they're not going with the cheap route they could go with, with having uh, Bobby Fish come out and strike them with a cane. Like, you see him on TV, you suspect he might do something, and he doesn't do anything. He's just there because they just want to remind people, oh yeah, he's also in our group. At least they're reminding us instead of downright insulting us and saying, there is no such person. The Vince McMahon doesn't remember such a thing. You know, like they would probably do on the main roster if this was the case. Oh, who am I kidding? Adam Cole and the Indisputed Era would not have gotten as big as they did. So, yeah. Also, once again, NXT allows them to go all out. Like, I don't see any of this happening on the main roster unless it's someone Vince favorites. Which basically means Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Alexa Bliss, Carmella... If Carmella was able to do such an ability, I don't know. Um, all these other... And, and probably John Cena. Well, let's be real. John Cena's done that on several occasions. Just not the level of epicness that, you know, a 21-year-old can do. That a 30... Someone in their, their in their 40s can do. I like granted, for being 40 is still able to go at such a high level is impressive. Look at AJ Styles. That's saying something. But, uh, yeah... And it was 
just insane. I, I was like, I don't care who wins. I don't generally care who wins. It can be either one. In fact, I was on the opinion that that the Mustache Mountain was going to win because, well, heading into the show, all the heel, all the heels were holding titles. Yeah, all the heels were holding titles, and at the end of the night, really, too, won the won their t- won the titles back for the good guys, and I'll get to them when I can. So. Yeah, and Trent Seven looks like he's going to throw in the towel as well, but then he just throws the towel into the crowd, much to the chagrin and happiness of the people. And basically, Tyler Bay is being this never-say-die attitude guy now, which was awesome. And I'm like, oh my god, just, just please don't ruin these people, man. Why do you hate these guys? At least, the, at least Tyler Bay and Trent Seven are going to have an extended lifespan thanks to NXT UK and maybe 205 Live because let's be real, uh, Tyler Bates going to go there since he's clearly at the weight. Trent Seven, I don't think so. So, it didn't matter to me who was going to win, but I do know that there were going to be some heels that lost his, lost their matches because there are so many, the heels hold, all hold the titles. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't know who was gonna win. I had a feeling Adam Cole was gonna lose though, but uh, I'll get to that when I can. And then fans are chanting, "Fight forever! Fight forever! Fight forever!" And, and whatnot. And like, oh my god! And, and just, and just when it looked like that that they were going to finally get the win against Undisputed Era, they retaliate and get the victory. And, and like, they're celebrating, they're ecstatic, and just when they're celebrating, eh, we get the War Ra- Raiders, aka War Machine, in the ring. They take out the, the Undisputed Era, and, yeah, I can't recall which one is which, but, um, Let's see, these guys look like they're over, like, they're super massive, and yet one is able to do a suicide dive. Huh, super, a super big guy, a big heavyweight guy doing suicide dives. Huh, where have I heard that before? Sounds familiar, it's a guy who should be a main event player, but is clearly not because he has stuff that doesn't, that Vince doesn't like in a guy. I think his name was Brody Lee? No, wait, that's his independent wrestling name. I, I think his name was Luke Harper. No, wait, no, it can't be Luke Harper. Vince hates long names. Uh, oh, yeah, it's just Harper. I don't get that. And, oh, boy, we're going to get those two fighting. If Though that might be a little bit delayed because then there's going to be NXT TakeOver War Games 2, which I am ecstatic to see soon. So that's going to be fun. So then we get... EC3 versus the Velveteen Dream. And I took this match, like, I knew these guys were going to deliver. But I didn't like that this match was happening. Not because it's not a good match. It's because I wanted Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black to fight and compete for the NXT title. We're back, perfect, come full circle storyline. And Velveteen Dream, I can imagine saying this. I'm going to take that title and turn this brand into the NXT Dream Experience. Come on, like, who wouldn't want that? And 
and Velveteen Dream stole the show. Yes, I know. In terms of match, okay, that's a different matter. But in terms of just being so clear cut with his character, he stole the show when he had tights on, saying the words "Call me up, Vince," and I was like, "Oh my God, the balls he has to do this!" Like he's done it twice. He's mocked Vince McMahon twice. He knows Vince wants to wants to call people up so he can ruin them. And the first time he did it was when he referenced Vince McMahon's obsession to retcon things out of existence. You know, like when he says this, the dream has no memory of that. And now he did it again. He did it again, everybody. He's targeting Vince McMahon. NXT is self-aware now. And I was like, he's 23 years old. How the hell does this guy know his character so well? And he's not, like, from the independent scene. He's not well-known in the independents. He got his big start in WWE. So, yeah, they have a homegrown talent, essentially. Doing all this. The really, the only problem he has is that he's an NXT guy, and therefore he's the Antichrist in Vince's eyes. So, yeah. Everyone was a little debating about who should win this match. Should it be EC3, who's in need of a win because this is the first NXT TakeOver match? Or should it be Velveteen Dream, who has not yet, as far as I know, not yet won an NXT TakeOver match? Wait, never mind, Cash is oh no. Uh, so, yeah, we were, so I was wondering too, like, I want Velveteen Dream to win, but I also want EC3 to win. So I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. Oh my god, once again, this match is awesome. It couldn't deliver completely with the Undisputed Era Mustache Mountain match, but they did the best they could, and <laughs> the Death Valley Driver, also known as the Dream Valley Driver, um... Yeah, and eventually EC3 is bleeding profusely. I'm just going to call him Ethan Carter because that's basically what he is. So, yeah, and I'm really curious. Would they get Dixie Carter to come in and play his manager, to play his manager like, you know, Andrea Cianalmas did with Zelina Vega getting hit her? And we all know how magical that turned out to be for him. So, would they do that? I don't know if people would like that. I just. Just throwing that out there. But, um, yeah, EC Ethan Carter is bleeding on his eyes and whatnot. Like, ugh. <laughs> oh, man. Hello, blood, my old friend. We've come to see you spread again. And, yes, I know I'm morbidly disturbing that I'm calling for blood in a wrestling match. Sue me! Granted, I wish they took more safety precautions, like, you know, blood capsules. I'm like, seriously, they could just do that and they wouldn't have to worry about cutting, about blading each other. But moving on! So, yeah, there were moments in this match where I was like, I don't know who's going to win. I generally don't know who's going to win. And, like, even for this match, this got a, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And, like, yeah, and then this deciding factor happens is when Dream manages to counter EC3 and gets a Death Valley driver on the, on the apron side of the ring and then nails his big elbow drop while EC3 is down and rolls over and covers for the win. And all I'm thinking is, he won! He finally, got, he finally won after so many months! And 
Yeah, and the storyline started out pretty simple. It started from the UK tournament. He ditched him in his match, left him to lose, and he wants payback. Simple! Why are so many people and creatives on WWE side so difficult about this? But yeah, I kept saying Velveteen Dream stole the show just for winning the tights alone, saying, Call me up, Vince. Which I'm hoping that if he does, if he gets called up, which I hope not doesn't, ha which I hope doesn't happen, because we all know what's gonna happen to him. I hope he wears tights that say "Take Me Back, Paul," to reference Triple H's real name. Because let's be real, a lot of people in NXT who've been called up probably are asking for that. Take me back, please. I can't work here. He's making life miserable because I worked for you. I should sue him for employee discrimination. But anyways, now we get to what many people consider a clinic. NXT North American Champion Adam Cole, baby! Versus King Ricochet. Yeah, I, I have no words. Like, let's just say this. If you ever wanted to imagine a sequel of Shawn Michaels super kicking Shelton Benjamin, yeah, this match gave you it. In fact, they gave you a red herring at first when it looked like Ricochet was going to go through that the same way Shelton Benjamin went through. But surprisingly, he goes ahead, flies, and then when Alco looks to deliver the super kick, he actually catches the foot. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what just happened? Did, did he just catch that while flying? He catched that while he flied, didn't he? And then, uh, and then it looked like Ricochet was finally going to break the cycle and then do the impossible with it. And then Adam Cole kicks him in the square in the head. And, well, I'm thinking this. Well, Ricochet is thinking this. I believe I can fly. And then Adam Cole just screams out, No! We are not doing this! But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And considering that that Adam Cole has hold, held on to that title for over six months, I had a feeling we knew where this was going to go. And, yeah. And, and there was so many false finishers and false finish pinfall attempts. I was like, on the edge of my seat, I wanted, I didn't care who won. And that's the thing. When I watch NXT, I don't care who wins. Because everyone feels like they won something in this. In fact... Fans, once again, continue their chance of, this is awesome. This is awesome. And, yeah. And, and before, and let me get back to the first match. They were also chanting, Mustache Mountain Undisputed. Mustache Mountain Undisputed. Like, everyone wants to cheer for these guys. Like, who do I cheer for? Do I cheer for these cool guys? Specifically Kyle O'Reilly and his guitar stringing and insulting Hulk Hogan? Or do I cheer for the proper British fighters of Mustache Mountain? I don't know! In fact, they might as well start chanting, We don't know! We don't know! As if to say, yeah, we don't know who to cheer for. And once again... <laughs> Mauro Ronaldo is once again phenomenal in this show. It's just so hilarious. I, I just love seeing uh, Mauro Ronaldo just be so having fun. Like, he's actually having fun. He's happy and not at all being harassed and bullied and discriminated against by JBL, by 
you know, Riesel Von Dickish, a.k.a. Vince McMahon, for favoring JBL because, well, you were trying to be more like yourself and not like Michael Cole. That's a bad thing, so I'm going to favor a bully over you, Maronello, who has the various mental illnesses like, uh... Uh, depression and anxiety, uh, yeah, I'm kind of a sick son of a bitch, aren't I? Yeah, I am still on that viewpoint that this had a role in it, as, like, I, I don't think you could go ahead and not think there was a bullying going on if JBL would say he might have Marinell die just so he can charge his phone if he cut off the life support. That happened on bringing it on the table, and I'm pretty sure people are still pissed off at that. So anyways, then we get to, uh, um, and Ricochet is now the new North American champion, and that was fun. <laughs> so, and we also see um, Kevin Owens and Mark Henry uh, in the crowd. Also beforehand, after Velveteen, Velveteen Dream's victory, we saw Matt Riddle, the newest NXT signing. And originally, they didn't want to sign him for some reason. I do not know why. Um, but it looks like Triple H cocked Vince into it. And, like, yeah, Matt Riddle did say he wanted to be the one that makes Brock Lesnar leave. Yeah, good luck. That's not going to happen. Just be glad you're in NXT. Also, um, there was pictures being shown of Matt Riddle. Yeah, despite him wearing a suit, he wore sandals. Just, he wore sandals. Now we get to what many people were thinking was not going to be a big, not going to be a big deal of a match um, with um, Kyrie Stane and Shania Baszler. Like it was a good match in the Mae Young Classic, but a lot of people were like iffy. Like, could this really stand out? Be a standout match? And also, the four horsewomen of UF of MMA were there: Ronda Rousey, Jess, Jesse M. Duke, and Mira Safer. I could be wrong on how I pronounce those names. And I'm going to just say, I will be on the prevailing viewpoint. On, I will always have this opinion. I will always say this. If Ember Moon, since Ember Moon never got a chance to be the one that slays Oscars and Diffuse Street, I will always say Kyrie Sane should have been the one. If it wasn't going to be Ember Moon, I would have settled for Kyrie Sane. That's how good this match was. Because, oh my god, these two... My god, they waited a year to finally build up to this rematch. Like, they did a rematch beforehand, before she won the title, I think. But, yeah, they were building it up. They were showing continuity. They were showing respect to the past by doing by referencing all this. And they built on it. And we saw a more vicious side of Kyrie Satan, letting her show more of that personality. You know, like Bailey used to have in NXT. And then Vince McMahon retconned it and removed it and stripped it of it. And turned it into just a huggable John Cena clone that no one likes to deal with. The one who's usually gullible and falls for anything despite all the betrayals. Or the treacherous beatdowns they get. You know, like, why would John Cena fucking shake Brock Lesnar's hand? I am still wondering that. Like, come on, man. Like, you are just way too trustworthy. Like, would he trust him if someone robbed him of a million bucks? I wouldn't put it past if Cena shook some guy's hand. He went ahead, kicked him in the crotch, and stole his wallet, ran off, and Cena would be like, what a nice man. That's how gullible the John Cena character can be. And we get, like, this disturbingness with Sonya Baser just 
twists and contorts Kairi Sane's body, snapping her toes, snapping her arm, bending in ways that should not be bended. And I honestly thought Kairi Sane was going to lose on several occasions when she was applied into chokehold maneuvers by Shania Baser. And then... <laughs> oh boy. She does what Finn Balor did, what Bret Hart did to Rowdy Piper. When the ending came around... Uh, when she finally got put in the submission holes, she managed to turn it around and turn it into a pinfall victory. And I was like, <laughs> because this was a freaking awesome match. This was a surprise. A This will probably go down as a very surprise match because everyone didn't think this would be as good as it was. Everyone thought it was going to be okay, but nope, it was phenomenally great. So... Yeah, and even Kyrie Sane showcases her thunderous spear to Shania Baszler. Yeah. I'm surprised no one said, uh, better than Roman! So, yeah, and, and Kyrie Sane looks like she's crying. Like, she couldn't believe what just happened. Like, I can understand that. Like, you didn't just, I'm pretty, I wouldn't be surprised if you suspected this wasn't going to happen. And whatnot. But yeah, I was so ecstatic, and I might have a personal bias for Kairi Sane to win because she may or may not have liked a tweet I made to her about how she'll become a breakout star this year, earlier this year. Yeah, I did that. She liked my tweet. Hurrah! I can clear that off the bucket list. I got a verified WWE superstar to like one of my posts. Now, if only if I can get Triple H and then ask him questions and constantly ask him, do you hate Vince to an extent? But we all know that's never going to happen. In fact, that would be an interesting conversation. So, yeah. Then we get our main event. Originally supposed to be a triple threat match with Aleister Black, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa was turned into a last man staying match between Gargano and Ciampa, or wrestling and entertainment, when Aleister Black came down with an injury, so they had to write in really quickly an injury angle and turn it into a mystery storyline. You know, something they could have done with Hideo Itami. And I am on the prevailing viewpoint, and this is a fact, and I think therefore I am, referencing Damien Sandow, that John Cena was hired by Vincent Dunn to go ahead and strike him from behind, knock him out, and then ruin his moment. And I'm not just saying that because I wanted to make fun of Vince's discriminatory policies. And Kevin Dunn's jealous hatred of Triple H. Because he knows Triple H is going to fire him for being a bad employee. So, yeah, Gargano and Ciampa. Do I even need to say it? Like, do, do I even need to keep saying this? Like... Like, let's see. Like, here's the typical formula that you get now from Gargano versus Ciampa. Uh, awesome match. Awesome psychology. Awesome chemistry. Uh, vengeance. Anger. Turning into a monster. Becoming the very thing you hate. Uh, Gargano becoming more and more like Ciampa. Um, Ciampa feeding off the anger and hatred of the NXT universe. And I'm just wondering when he's going to say, Feed me your anger. It fuels my power. That's basically the vibe I'm getting now, since he still comes out with no music, and Choppa just gets the hatred to be his music. Music to his ears. But there was some surprising factors. Remember that traditional op 
opening announcements where they say, and the challenger, weighing in at etc, 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 Johnny Gargano, and in this corner, we have the NXT champion, Tommaso, and Johnny Gargano breaks that tradition for the first time ever and attacks Tommaso Ciampa before they could even ring the goddamn bell. Which means, Gargano is pissed! Yeah, and... Yeah, there is a lot of chaos in this match. And fans are chanting, Mama Mia! Mama Mia! Because that's how this big this match is to people. They see I see this to me personally as the match as the saga that Triple H and Shawn Michaels had, except without the blood, and I will always be on this viewpoint that they should have had a hell in a cell match at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4, as opposed to a last man standing match. But I knew it was gonna be phenomenal, but I always keep wondering, why was this not hell in a cell? Can someone tell me why this wasn't hell in a cell? But Moving on from my personal preference. Uh, oh, man. And here's the thing I noticed. Um, Gargano is wearing a Venom-like Atari. Atari. Uh, not, not Atari. Um, attire. Like, I really noticed that. And I was like, wait. Oh, my God. Are they really doing this? They're really trying to reference its clothing to be symbolic of his fall to the dark side? Like, think about it. Like, like, us uh, see in the comics, and you can say in the move in the upcoming Venom movie, if if it's possible. Hey, Brock was a confident journalist and whatnot. Made a horrible mistake. Lived with this guilt and ate away at him to the point when he becomes Venom. When the suit attaches to him, he becomes a monstrous killing machine at times, and also leads onto anti-hero. But that's a different matter. And he's always consumed with trying to kill Peter Parker. Is Gargano becoming the Venom of NXT? Because that would be kind of awesome. And he's even wearing Venom-like trunks. Like his logo's been all corrupted. And his signature DIY logo's all corrupted and whatnot. Has the Venom symbiote slowly converting it. Like, oh my god, they're doing subtlety. Oh my god, they're, they're doing subtlety, everybody. They're doing subtlety. And, yeah, Ciampa and Gargano tore the house down. Once again, I once again on the viewpoint that this stole the show. And, oh, oh man. And Ciampa did the Project Ciampa maneuver three times. And all I was hoping for one freaking, freaking moment was him going to say, Project Ciampa, bitch. Like, you know, because we all know how what would happen if he said that. He will then just burn Suplex City to the ground because everyone will then start chanting, Project Chopper! Project Chopper! Project Chopper! Because, let's be real, Suplex City is becoming boring. It's go if he had said Project Chopper, bitch... I would have been, I would have just said, wow, now Triple H is ordering Chopper to take a shot at Lesnar. Okay, not surprising. I'm pretty sure a lot of people hate his guts right now. But moving on. And then Gargano leaps more and more to the dark side. His anger is starting to take form once again. He, he even starts doing stuff that 
Champa did, like rip off the barricades, rip off the back patio floor to reveal the concrete. He tries to handcuff him, like Gargano. He, he handcuffs him, like Gar like Champa tried to do to him. Uh, he starts trying. He keeps super kicking him. He keeps trying to strangle him, and, and then he tries to knee him in the face, which happens, and then that costs greatly for him, and dislocates his his knee. Congrats. And, and even Gargano uh, Gargano crosses this path and like he wants anger. He he wants his vengeance on on, on Ciampa. He feels like he's ruined his life. If I, I'm I keep hoping I was hoping in this match that that Candice LeRae was gonna come out, try to talk some sense to Gar to, to her husband, and they would have done Gargano shoving Candice LeRae to the side just to show how far he's fallen. Come on! You had him be tackled on... He, you had him accidentally tackle into her. Why can't you just have him shove her to the side and just try and kill Ciampa? That really would have shown his dark sides coming out more. So, yeah, fans are chanting, This is awesome! One more time! Fight forever! And whatnot. And like... Oh, God. And then... Gargano gives in more when he tries to when Ciampa tries to apologize over and over and he keeps trying to get out from the handcuffs when he handcuffs him to the stage. Uh, Gargano then exposes his knee and nails Ciampa in the head and crashes into into the table and bar and boxes falling off to the floor and the referee counts while they're still down. Gargano tries to get up and he keeps failing but then Ciampa makes it the first to the night count when he just simply stands stands from getting to the floor on the bottom lo lower level of the stage and wins by a nanosecond and Gargano is despairing at this. Also, one highlight also was when Gargano and Ciampa, after, like, what, felt like 10 minutes of them beating the hell out of each other, got back up after one second. This isn't, this is fuel, they should just say, this is fuel, hatred is fueling their adrenaline and whatnot, and oh my god, this is impossibly amazing! So, yeah, and, and as... <laughs> Ciampa is leaving, he comes back out, boasts that he's the champion still, and then when Gargano looks like he's despairing at this, Ciampa comes back out to rub it in his face, and Gargano still is trying to like, COME AT ME! Like he wants to fight him more, even though he knows he dislocated his knee. So clearly, Gargano is still in this state of hatred and rage and self-loathing now, and realizing he's letting his anger control him, but he can't stop, it's like a drug now. Which also, but here's the one thing that I did love about this. The one thing they did was not only did they end a feud, but they also left the door open for a future bout. Like Triple H was reportedly saying he envisioned this being a trilogy, they did the trilogy and they left it open for future matches. They could also go another route where Gargano finally gives into his inner demons and joins up with Ciampa as like an apprentice mentality. Like... That would be like what Daniel Bryan could have done when the Yes Movement, in my mind, got at his worst point. When it kept, like, they wanted Bryan more and more and more to the point that they didn't care about anybody else. That they just wanted Bryan like they, did, like they hated when John Cena was all about himself. 
They wanted Brian to be the same thing. I thought, let's take that. Let's make a storyline out of it. Have Brian trying to convince the fans that it shouldn't always be about him. It has to be about. It's not just about me. It is about everybody else, and the fans don't listen, and they just chant Daniel O'Brien, and Brian just becomes more and more frustrated that fans are wanting just him and not not just him and other people. So, yeah, they could do that. In fact, I was thinking they could do that. Like, someone reported that they might be doing that. It could be a route. I wouldn't be surprised if they thought that was going to be an idea. Because Vince might ruin him on the main roster. So Triple H is like, okay, you're going to ruin him? Let me do the heel turn my way. That would be a hundred times better than you ever would do it. So, yeah. This show was amazing. It was wonderful. And all I'm thinking is... Oh, God. SummerSlam screwed. It was screwed this first match in. Like, you have a bloated card. You have a misguided management. You have egotistical bastards running around thinking they own the, thinking they can own the place. You have Brock Lesnar, who's strong on the, who might have strung on the company at WrestleMania this year and tried to intentionally hurt Reigns just to get more money dealing out of this. You have Vince McMahon running around say, Pepper Spray Roman Reigns. Okay, we have water, we have a water thing, we could do that. No, like, let's get real pepper spray. We'll spray with real pepper spray. Even though there should be a hundred different things wrong with that statement. But I'm sadly not in charge or else I would be doing things differently. Also, I kind of want to see Gargano and Ciampa fight at WrestleMania and sight Hell in a Cell for the Dead Eddie title. Not the Universal title. That can go That can go into the garbage. So, the only way I see SummerSlam somehow topping NXT TakeOver, which is impossible, is if they let the wrestlers go all out with the best of their abilities... They do surprising heel turn, surprising turns. They do Roman Reigns crossing the dark side in glorious fashion, and they make some show-stealing matches more than NXT can do. But that would require effort, and we all know that's never going to happen in Vince's eyes. So we're just going to have to. And once again, everyone says the same thing on Twitter when I was when I was tweeting on there. Everyone keeps saying on the timeline that not only do they love this show, they love NXT, they love all this talent, but they hate it when they get called up. They hate that when the next day they get called up, they should be crying right now and realizing, oh wait, my career's ruined now. Like, I can't think of Velveteen Dream being a main event player in Vince's eyes. I can't see, well, maybe EC3 has a shot because he's big and buffed, but... I can't see Ricochet being anything but a 205 Live competitor, and John Gargano, and per Project, and Tomasa Ciampa. They're all under the 205 weight, so they're going to be relegated to 205 Live. At least Triple H is riding on there, so he's in charge of that project. So, yeah. Where do you see any of these NXT talents going besides in the gutter? I mean, like, I can think of a dream match we can do. How about this? We get. Roman Reigns and Tommaso Ciampa teaming up as the ultimate heels versus Johnny Gargano and Daniel Bryan. 
Imagine if they did that for one moment. That would be insane. You got the two most favorite guys in WWE against the two most vilified ones. That would be a masterpiece of tag team action to me. So, yeah, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4, that was freaking awesome. I loved every moment of it. I cannot, I hope to see what, I hope, I can't wait to see what the next TakeOver is going to be like, and I can't wait for the matches there. This was Near Reality Entertainment. If you like, comment, subscribe, and donate to you for more. Pete Dunn, Ricochet, and, and Adam Cole, baby. Like, what more do you need to say to promote a show? Like, just say, we're going to put these guys in a triple threat match, and there, you got gold. So, NXT finally decided to produce a sequel to Pete Dunne versus Ricochet two weeks later by having um, Adam Cole go against, uh, a few weeks later, I mean, to have Adam Cole be involved in the triple threat match because of what happened in their champion versus champion match when Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era got involved. And also, the Undisputed Era is going to take on the War Raiders for the NXT Tag Team titles. I have no doubt that Bobby Fish is going to get involved when that happens. So, yeah, we already got a War Games match most likely set. Also, I had heard reports about Pete Dunne's injury. It's not as serious as they thought. It turns out it might just be a minor foot injury. And he is set to go to the next UK tapings, which is set to air on October 17th. So, yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'm going to probably talk about the first episode when I get around to watching it. But, um, yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, Pete Dunne and Ricochet get are going to have their revenge on Cole. But um, this match was also set to take for the North American Championship, which confused me because I was like, wait, what about the UK title? Why is that not being defended? Like... That's how it worked last time. Why can't they do it now? Yeah, there's no explanation for that as far as I know. But we also are getting Tomasa Chapa versus Velveteen Dream for the NXT title. So that's going to be awesome. But um, to see these three talented performers compete in the main event of NXT. Which also has been now officially confirmed that Triple H has said that Vince has never watched any NXT episode says she took over, so yeah, their futures are going to be ruined when they get quote, promoted. So, anyways, um, surprisingly, Adam Cole does not have the help of the Undisputed Era in this matchup. In fact, he goes at it alone, taking on Pete Dunne and Ricochet, who gang up on him at first, though, of course, they start to dissolve their alliance like, in the, like, one minute, and start beating the crap out of each other. This was a natch. This was guaranteed to be a high quality match. This was awesome. I loved every moment of it. This was an awesome triple threat match, and I really wish we could see more of these guys fight. But uh, like to see, and then they produced a third memorable super kick, uh, super kick on a high flyer maneuver, surpassing Shelton Benjamin and Shawn Michaels' moment, Adam Cole versus Ricochet's moment. And now it's Pete Dunne and Al Cole super kicking Ricochet when he's going through a dive. So that was awesome. And then we also get some updated information on on some uh, concepts regarding uh, how Pete Dunne is obsessed for finger breaking issues. Yeah, 
he really is obsessed for that. And I loved how they went for more innovative move sets, like Pete Dunne doing a double submission move to and further having this obsession to break um, every bone in Adam Cole's body. And then we get like all these impressive high flying maneuvers, all this technical wrestling. Adam Cole playing a cowardly heel by hiding in the shadows and then striking when it was most appropriate. That is like that's like I and he doesn't have the undisputed era to help him, so yeah, he's doing this on his own, which I'm actually liking. He could have just ran away, but he knows, okay, this is the North American title. I got to do whatever I can to win. Like, that's what I wanted to heal out of Seth Rollins when he was WWE champion, still over-relying on help a lot. But they had to screw that up because Vince hates everything. So, um, anyways. So, <laughs> but there was a moment I noticed when Pete Dunne was uh, crawling towards the steel's desk. I was like, um, is that a botch? Like, it just seems so obvious they're trying to set that up, except they seem to mistime it. So Pete Dunne had to try and get there. Like, that still didn't make any sense to me when they did that. But um, to see that that move actually failed, and then we get Ricochet flying, and all this and hijinks ensuing, it's just so awesome seeing these guys go at it, be allowed to go all out with this fight. And eventually, eventually they all start fighting, start throwing, swinging away at each other, and lands a running knee on Ricochet, sends, and Cole sends Dunn out of the ring, and everyone's just freaking out. The crowd's all into it, chanting, NXT, Adam Cole! The one and only Bruiser Way. Like, everyone was cheering for them. Like, everyone wanted to see these guys. Like, doesn't matter who wins. We just get a great match out of this. That And I, that's the vibe I always get. Like, I always loved when NXT had a match that didn't feel forced. Or, like, no one feels like they get left out when they lose. Like, it just feels more like. They're having fun and like, hey, let's go all out with this. Like, even Nikki Cross seems to be having fun with the whole, Nikki knows a secret, Nikki knows a secret. Which is why it sucks that they're probably going to reduce her name to just Cross because, because it's already Nikki Bella and they're probably going to favor the mainstream star over the, you know, more popular star who's the crazy woman who has no, who is not a mainstream star, so yeah. Also, for some reason, I had the sudden craving to see Tomasa Ciampa versus Velveteen Dream versus Nikki Cross when I saw that segment. But nonetheless, uh, yeah. And then, and then, like, we get more craziness going on, and it's just so awesome. Like, I, I just keep loving every moment of this match and then I get more and more mad when I realize oh wait they're not going to amount to anything on the main roster because Vince doesn't even know who the hell these people are Vince doesn't watch the show therefore he doesn't know what makes them popular which is why Asuka is being punished because she's a foreigner because she doesn't speak English instead of you know letting her physical acting be the talking and not the not actually speaking in a microphone yeah, I'm still, I'm a little pissed off at that still. And then we get this little surprising moment. I thought Adam Cole was going to take the pin. Instead, Pete Dunne is the one that gets the pin, gets pinned by Ricochet. Like, I knew they probably weren't going to change the title so soon. 
But I was surprised that Ricochet pinned Pete Dunne instead of Adam Cole. Like I want to assume, like I was on the assumption Adam Cole was gonna get pinned, but then I realized, well, wait, what? Why is Pete Dunne getting pinned? Like so, because I'm pretty sure, like you would think, like with with everything Adam Cole did in their champion versus champion match, screwing it all up and giving it a four and a half star rating. Um, Instead of their, what should have been a five-star rating from Dave Meltzer, they would want payback on Adam Cole and humiliating him. And I just love Adam Cole's facial expressions a lot. Like, he's just so pompously arrogant. So when he loses, he just, like, has this look like the world just ended for him. Even though it really didn't. But, yeah, Ricochet ultimately retains the NXT North American Championship. And... Yeah, that's how the show ends. Like, we don't get, like, an Undisputed Era involvement. We don't get the War Raiders since they're going to have a match next week. And this was a straightforward triple threat match. This was possibly an awesome... This was was an awesome match. Like, I'm just, like, astonished of how lopsided the scoreboard is between main roster build WWE and NXT. I keep trying to remember... Wait, they're the same company because this is completely different from what I'm used to seeing on the main roster, which is mostly crap. Mostly. And, yeah, I'm just left astonished at how talented all these three people are, these three guys are. And I'm also mad because I just know Vince is not watching them. He's not paying attention to them. It's been said that he doesn't watch NXT. Triple H says that he's just too busy. And I'm like, wait. So, before the XFL relaunch, okay, you could probably make that argument he doesn't watch it now. But what did he do back then? Like, what? Get frustrated? Like, it was reported he was at a house show once. Let the show go into overtime. But then when fans started chanting, better than Mania, better than Raw, they noticed Vince was all mad and frustrated in the back, all like, like this is pissing him off. And I'm like, then do better. Like, are you really this sad? But I just look at Ricochet and look at Pete Dunne and look at Adam Cole. And like, whereas Adam Cole is like two pounds over the 205 limit thing for the Cruiserweights. So they're probably going to force him to lose two pounds in order to make him eligible for Cruiserweight action. They're just going to be stuck in the Cruiserweight division. And I want them to be in the main event scene. They, I want to see them compete for Intercontinental World Title opportunities. I want to see them fight with the big boys as Vince would most likely say. Well, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't say that because that will make him remember WCW and then he'll just go into his petty episodes. But it's just... It's so good! And I hate that they don't respect them. How the main roster just doesn't respect them. All this hard work they do to give us the best wrestling, the best characters, all this and all this combined in one great seamless package... A mystery box to me that comes out with all these great goodies. And yet, Vince looks at this, looks at the box, knows that there's a lot of good stuff in here from what he's heard, and just tosses it to the side like it doesn't matter to him because he didn't make it. And, like, I can't imagine Pete Dunne doing the finger-breaking thing he has, unless he's Randy Orton, which he isn't. Or, and, 
I don't even see Marty Skull being allowed to do that because he isn't Randy Orton if he ever joined up with WWE. In fact, after they took shots at 205 Live at All In, I'm pretty sure they're never going to be accepted by Vince's regime. But, uh, yeah. And then there's the whole concept of, uh, like, Pete Dunne, he has more longevity because he's going to be in NXT UK while probably still doing the NXT original branding shows. So, at least he'll be around longer. And I really do hope he's the one that breaks uh, the fake Lesnar record and actually make it legitimate. Like, he's already surpassed CM Punk's record. He just needs to surpass Brock Lesnar's and then we're in business. So, yeah. Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and Cole, they had an awesome match. I really wish I could see more of this more. Like, yeah, we're, I can just replay the match, but I want to see more of them and see... And I, In fact, I just kept saying to myself, why was this not the whole show? This would have just got all the people involved and just make this the whole show. Just maybe do one promo and then with Tomasa Ciampa and Velveteen Dream, and then boom, you just have the rest of the show be these three. So, yeah, that's just my only complaint. Like, I just wish the match was longer. That's my only complaint, and that's really a positive in reality because you want this match to be longer. You want them to go out with this. So, yeah, that's where my, those were my thoughts on Ricochet versus Pete Dunne versus Adam Cole for the North for the North American Championship on NXT. This was Neo Reality Entertainment. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe, and donate to for more. I've been holding it off for a little bit for nearly a month, uh, at best couple of weeks. But I really wanted to start talking about this match after finally having time to watch it. We got NXT North American Champion Ricochet versus NXT. Not WWE, UK champion Pete Dunne in a champion versus champion match, the first ever on NXT programming, and they keep acknowledging that this is the first time ever in NXT, whereas in WWE they'll say that this has never happened before and, and, and what happened in NXT doesn't matter. You know, like when they announced the quote, first ever last woman standing match, even though there was one between Asuka and Nikki Cross, but you know, Vince hates NXT, so we can't mention that whatsoever. So, yeah, anyways, uh, basically the story between Ricochet and Pete Dunne is actually pretty simple and basic, and that was the one thing I really loved about it, that they just take these simple stories and not overly complex them because, oh, uh, we had to have a infidelity going on with Rusev, Lana, and Aiden English, except that wasn't really ha what happened. We gotta do the whole reverse style storyline with Enzo Mori sexually harassing Lana and Rusev being portrayed as the villain in all this. Yeah, I still hate that storyline. It really killed Enzo and Greg Casper because I was like, okay, turn them heel. That's the only way I'm going to buy into the storyline. So, yeah, uh, instead of Ricochet and Pete Dunne, they were actually tag team partners against the Undisputed Era and the basic premise is Ricochet accidentally knocked out Pete Dunne, and that led to gain led to Undisputed Era gain their gain their victory. So that was the basic premise of this entire storyline, and plus you got the whole Aleister Black mystery who done it storyline, which is everyone saying is really enjoying. So that's fun, and Nikki Cross is just stealing all the moments right now. So. Yeah, this was dispelled as the first ever NXT Champion vs. Champion match. And I was really excited. Like, I've seen these two people 
wrestle before, and I was like, hey, take my money. If I was at Full Sail University, I would pay all the money in the world just to see those two fight. I'm like, they probably fought in the independence, but I don't know. But, like, I loved Pete Dunne's Bruiserweight gimmick. I love Ricochet's uh, one and only style he does. And eventually, at first when they made their entrances, the crowd is mostly leaning towards Pete Dunne. And then they just eventually say, you know what, F it. Both these guys! Both these guys! Both these guys! And, and then they start doing some very technical wrestling styles. And I was like, okay, I can get Pete Dunne since he also operates with the UK Strong Style Maneuvers. But I wasn't expecting that from Ricochet. Like, I've heard about his high-flying maneuvers and that's all I've known about him. But I didn't know he was that good with technical wrestling. I'm like he has to like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised that if he was good at technical wrestling since he's allowed to do as much moves as he possibly can, but yeah, but every time they get their technical wrestling done and they kept countering each other, I was just like all engaged in it. And this was nearly a twenty this was a twenty minute or so match. They got the last half of the NXT showcase, so yeah, this was destined for greatness. Especially in NXT. Now, imagine if Tyson Kidd produced this in WWE Main Rosterville, then you would have a match of the year quality candidate to compete with Seth Rollins' matches. But that's never going to happen, sadly, because Vince is a stupid idiot. But anyways, uh, yeah, and I really loved how they did mat wrestling and trying to, and how Ricochet is trying to compete with Pete Dunne on his level. Except for Pete Dunne's obsession with finger breaking, because that because every time Pete Dunne went for the fingers, the arm, just just dissecting them, I was like, okay, it's not as disturbing as Orton, but okay, this is Marty Scrawl levels of disturbing. Not Randy Orton's having to develop a fetish for ripping people's body limbs apart, specifically ears, but that's a different story. And then I made me want to say, okay, we gotta do this. Pete Dunne versus Randy Orton versus Marty Scroll in a finger-breaking match. The goal is to break all the opponent's fingers. Yeah, that's the storyline. Basically, that's the premise of this match. But anyways, so yeah, eventually, it does start off slow. It really does start off slow with this style of mat wrestling and tentacle wrestling. But eventually it starts to really pick up when they start to showcase their true power. And we get we see the wrestlers sell being having their bodies torn apart by by their wrestling moves like Pete Dunn breaking all breaking the legs and even twisting the toes of of Ricochet and I was like, Oh god. Oh god, this is so awesome. I'm like, right, that has got to be incredibly painful, but I am enjoying every single moment of this. And, yeah, and then we get, and I keep hearing all those cracks every time when they do a fist or a chop, and it just makes me just so excited. Like, I feel like I'm actually hearing them in pain, like their bones are cracking. Like, I don't hear that in the main roster, like... At best, it was probably Jack Gallagher doing the headbutt to Neville back in Fastlane, which still says stole the show. But still, we don't really get that much on the main roster. We just have them punch each other and whatnot, but we don't hear that crack. We don't hear that whip crack noise that usually makes me kind of glad to hear. But Pete Dunne and Ricochet, they were so close to delivering. Like, I, here's the thing. 
I wish they were given the entire show to work this match. It would have been phenomenally phenomenal. It would have been awesome. I would have loved if they were just get like 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 okay, do the entrances. Okay, have them wrestle the entire show. Just do that. Like that would be that that would make people say, you know what? Awesome. Like everyone would have probably bought bought into it. They probably could have sold out at least a medium sized arena if they were the only match on the card. I'm not saying they would sell sell an entire arena like say Madison Square Garden or the MetLife Stadium because that's just crazy. But yeah, but they would probably sell out an entire medium-sized stadium, like probably double the size of Full Sail University's audience, maybe triple at best. But like, I'm not, I'm not good with that. I think there's like what 300 or so people. But yeah, this match was so close, and then we see, um, and then like Ricochet goes for a. Um, Reverse Hurricane I am not doing my Joey Styles impression justice, aren't I? But yeah, we also get uh, we get the uh, Frankenstein off the rope and whatnot off the top turnbuckle, and like everyone goes all Mamma Mia because Marinello is just a treasure. I heard he's going through some difficult time with his best friend, with one of his best friend's brothers, um, tragically ending his life. So. I really hope they can get through that. But, yeah. And then, they are, like, Ricochet and Pete Dunne are, like, totally spent. They, like, and then Pete Dunne goes for the Kimura log with fingers, but what? But using the fingers to break more. So, basically, I was like, can we please get Pete Dunne beat the crap out of Lesnar? I'm like, Lesnar would probably ask for $3 million at best just to lose, but still... And then, just when they look like they were going to keep going and keep trading fight, keep trading uh, fists at each other, which they were doing, but albeit weekly because they were spent, the Undisputed Era comes out and completely wrecks the match, ending in a double disqualification. Boo! 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 Wait, you mean to tell me I can actually, I'm generally booing at heels that I like because they ruined such a great match? By God! Actual motivation to hate the villains. So yeah, the Undisputed Era beats up uh, uh, Pete Dunne and Ricochet, and then the War Raiders come out to chase them off. And both wrestlers are giving their tiles and they stare at each other down as the crowd closes out the show by screaming NXT, NXT, NXT. And then I realized, wait, could this be NXT's War Games match? Imagine it. Pete Dunne, Ricochet, the War Raiders versus the Undisputed Era. Since I pre, since I know for a fact that P that Bobby Fish is coming back soon, like it's been so many months, like, and he's been on TV even with the injury. So at least he, at least at least he still shows up to work more so than Lesnar. I mean, like at least Pete, at least Bobby Fish has a reason not to show up. He's hurt. He's injured. Where, but says, you know what? I'm still going into work. Whereas Brock Lesnar, he just like, okay, give me $10 million and I'll consider it. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, when I realized it, I was like, 4-4, four, four, okay, yep, this is our War Games match, isn't it? Please let it be our War Games match. I want it to be our War Games match. It would be so awesome. 
like to see all these talented performers and plus the undisputed era could probably start a new streak with the war games victories that would be kind of interesting to leave nxt 2-0 at best since i don't think there would be around for a third year but we'll see uh, but this is well. Every time I watch NXT and I just get more enjoyment out of it, and, and I'm just like, it sucks that these guys are so talented and yet they'll never be able to amount to anything on the main roster. Ricochet and Pete Dunne will go to 205 Live. Like Pete Dunne has the NXT UK thing going around, and I kept hearing Pete Dunne's injured, so that sucks. And just when he was about to break Brock Lesnar and CM, well, CM Punk's long title reign of the modern era, since he had just reached 500 days when he got, quote, severely injured. We'll see how that goes. I hope he doesn't have to drop the belt and he's not really hurt, but still, gotta take all precautions. And plus, this is NXT, since this is NXT, he could just probably just wait a couple of weeks and see how that goes. Like, NXT operates on a taping system. So, really, he doesn't have to miss much time. He just needs to prepare for war games and whatnot. But he also works in the independence as well because he has special unique, a special contract like all the other UK wrestlers that he's allowed to work at these independent contract shows. But, yeah... But to see these two go at it, it just makes me think they're going to be promoted to well, promoted to NXT 205 because that's how I see 205 Live as NXT 205 since Triple H runs the show. But I also want to say I want to see Pete Dunne be Universe World Champion. I want to see Ricochet be Intercontinental Champion. I want to see them compete with the big boys. So why? Because they're small. Like even back then, it and like. In like, in like WWE during the Ruthless Aggression era when they had their old Cruiserweight division, they at least were allowed to go off and branch into the other divisions while still coming back to the Cruiserweight division. And then there's WCW. For all their intents and purposes, at least Jericho and the others were able to give more cre creative freedom to a minor extent until they were buried because they realized they were getting too popular. Still saying Eric Bischoff was a moron on that part, especially Hogan, Nash, and Hall. But like... Like, let's see, they branched off of the uh, Cruiserweight division and got to compete with some of the heavyweights and even got to compete for the television title, the United States title, and I think Rey Mysterio one time fought uh, Ric Flair for the WCW title back in 1999. I can't seem to recall that. I think that happened, but I just read about that. So yeah, I really enjoyed this match. I really hope we get in that match with those two down the line in NXT because they were just phenomenal together. And I really hope they get an hour-long match. That would be awesome. In fact, let's just book an Iron Man match. Just do that and, and like everyone will be happy. So those were my thoughts on Ricochet versus Pete Dunne NXT 2018. This was Neo Reality on Tuna. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe, and donate to YouTube for more. And I'll see you guys next time with Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and Adam Cole, baby!